and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Do you feel like you've not been able to make headway in achieving your goals? Or did you start the year pumped, ready to move forward on making things happen and simply lost your way? Things don't need to just get better. They actually can be better. In Design Your Dream Life, I'll show you a proven pathway to take you from where you are now to a life filled with joy, wholeness, success, and fulfillment. I'll give you the keys to not just developing a plan, but taking massive empowered action to make your dreams a reality. Turn roadblocks into stepping stones and leverage the power of gratitude and forgiveness. Let's face it, taking massive empowered action and making your dreams a reality isn't always easy. So I'll be there with you every step of the way. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com to purchase your copy of Design Your Dream Life, obtain resources and join our free community. Again, that's dreamlifetoolkit.com. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am super excited about today's guest because you all know that if we do not feel good, it will be very hard to live our dream life. And it's not just about, you know, our our limbs and our physical, like, you know, organs, that kind of thing. There's a lot to health. And our next guest is fascinated by these links between diet biochemistry, and psychology, right? The idea that what we eat changes the biochemistry of our bodies and influences how we think, feel, and behave. The gut-brain access is what he refers to as the missing piece of the puzzle for optimizing mood, energy, focus, and overall well-being. Understanding this connection between our microbiome and our brain is fundamentally changing how we think about human performance, both physically and mentally. He holds tons of degrees, has as a veteran of dozens of Ironmans. He is well-versed, traveled the world talking about this subject, including segments at Dr. Oz, as well as the White House. So I am super excited to connect with our guest, Dr. Sean Talbot today. Welcome to the Dreamcast. Thanks, Denise. Thanks for having me. I don't know what it is about the microbiome, but it makes me so excited because I feel like this is something most people don't know about and right. they need to. So I first want right, to hear exactly. <laughs> what got you interested in gut brain connection? Yeah, well, I, you know, I've been doing the the kind of like mental fitness thing for for more than 20 years. You know, I started, you know, when I, I after I got my PhD, I was what what you might call a sport nutritionist. I did a lot of work with the US ski team and the US Track and Field Association and the Olympic Training Centers and we're really educating athletes and coaches about about food and performance, right? How you can eat and how you can perform. But but really from a from the perspective of mental performance because the idea was if you could get the athlete to be in a in a mentally better place they could do one more rep in the gym which would make them stronger they could kind of buckle down while the competition was fading away and then they could be on the top step of the podium right so it was like you know using the mind to get more out of their physicality right their you know the mental edge so to speak and so i was doing that for a long time and loved it you know being backstage at the Olympics and things like that is, you know, pretty, pretty cool career to have. But about 20 years ago, almost exactly 20 years ago, 
uh, my younger brother died of a drug overdose. Um, and he was always the kind of guy who was like a little bit anxious, a little bit tense, not really depressed, but like it was always some sort of a stress thing that would cause him to go, go back to using drugs. And it, it kind of threw me for a loop when he, when he died, because it, it, it got me to think like, Hey, these, these techniques that we're using in these athletes to improve their mental fitness so they can get more out of their performance. I wonder if we could mainstream that kind of stuff. If we could use these same techniques in order to help the average person, not just, you know, help them with their depression or anxiety, but take somebody who feels fine and get them to be at that high level of performance like an Olympic athlete. And so that kind of shifted my research 20 years ago to try to say like, all right, what is it about food? What is it about specific nutrients that can give people that edge? Whether you know, you're know you trying to get an edge in your career or an edge in your family or an edge in your hobbies or you know, whatever is meaningful to you. So that's, that's the kind of work I've been doing for the last you know, bunch of years. Mm, I love your story and I'm sorry about your brother. And what I find is that we don't typically randomly choose these things. You know, we don't start a business yeah. for no reason. There's a purpose and a passion behind it because now you're like, everybody needs to know this so they don't lose their yeah. brother too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now, now it's kind of cool where, you know, it's like the, the validating part for me as a scientist is when I can talk to people and they can say, oh my gosh. I was the person who didn't think that I needed these things. I thought I was doing just fine. And, and now that I've put in you know, some of these tips into, into practice, now I'm so much better. Now my family is so much better. Now my career is so much better. You know, it sort of ripples out from just that individual feel, feeling better themselves. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's start with mental fitness. What does that mean to you? You said it's not just about you know, the exercise and physicality, which of course it does, but it starts here in your mind. So how would somebody get to gauge whether they're mentally fit or not? Yeah. So, so mental fitness for me really is a, is a holistic concept. You know, everyone's going to explain it a little bit differently. So for myself personally, mental fitness is all about resilience. It's about being able to show up in whatever situation the day serves up to you and get things done, right? Some days there might be calm days, some days that, you know, what's going to be hitting the fan, you know, and like resilience is your, your ability to kind of like navigate through whatever those stressful situations are, you know, have good strategy formation and things like that. For other people, mental fitness might be having the energy to get through the day. For other people, mental fitness might be that they're able to relax in the evening instead of being restless and, and having tension and anxiety and things like that. So it really is, a little bit different for everybody. And that's why that's one of the reasons that I wrote the book to kind of unpack that a little bit that a mentally fit person is all of that. And it sounds a little pie in the sky when I when I say, yeah, you can have energy in the day and you can have relaxation at night and you can have good sleep quality and your brain fog can go away and you can be in a good mood and you can be resilient. And like it, it gets to sound a little bit like, come on, is that is that really true? But that's exactly what the new science around the microbiome is telling us, that these signals come from the bacteria in the gut. And if we feed them the right nutrients, the right fibers, the right phytonutrients, the right, the, the right food, we can modulate our mood a, a, up to whatever level we want to. Mm, your book, Mental Fitness, for those listening, I'll put it in the show notes. Mental Fitness is the name of the book. And I read it last month and I was able to take bits and pieces of it as I was reading it and teach it to my 90 day program that I have. And I, I that's great. A link to your book and our like must haves, because I think, again, most people don't quite realize that what they eat doesn't just impact 
how they look, it impacts how they feel. So what are, right. tell us a little bit about this cut brain connection and how it works. Where to start? There's so much to talk about. It goes much beyond the idea of if we eat good food, we're going to feel better. And if we eat crappy food, we're going to feel crappy, right? It's, it, it's more nuanced than that. Only because the new science around the microbiome, these bacteria in the gut, trillions of bacteria, we know that we can very specifically modulate them to produce more serotonin, for example, about somewhere between like 70 or 80% of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. So the majority of our serotonin that's involved in happiness is made in our gut. The majority of our dopamine, which is sort of the neurotransmitter of motivation made in the gut, the GABA, that's the neurotransmitter that helps us relax when we're stressed out made in the gut. There's compounds called short-chain fatty acids that can change our mood and our metabolism. So if you have more short-chain fatty acids being produced in your gut, you're going to be happier and you're going to be thinner, you know, to, to maybe overstate it just a little bit. But the thing that's exciting is that we can eat the right foods, we can get the bacteria to have the right metabolism, produce the right bioactive chemicals, and then they will be able to signal the brain. It's not like you make more serotonin in your, in your gut and then it leaks out into your bloodstream from your gut and then it leaks into your brain. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way to make you happier. But we know that having more serotonin in the gut does send a signal to the brain. Some of those signals go across your nervous system. Some of them go through these compounds called cytokines. But the new science is allowing us to really tease that out and say, aha, this nutrient will do this to the microbiome, which will help with this neurotransmitter. So we can almost get very therapeutic. And I think what you're going to see in the coming years is you're going to be able to see that we can treat depression, we can treat anxiety, we can treat some of these like very hard nuts to crack, so to speak, by focusing on the gut first. But, you know, the benefit for the average person is, you know, so somebody might be listening to this and say, well, I don't have depression, I don't have anxiety, how's this going to benefit me? Well, we can take that person who feels fine, or feels okay, and we can help up-level them. So they become a better version of themselves. They're more productive. They have better energy. They have better creativity. And that's what I think a lot of people are looking for and having trouble kind of nailing it, it you know, especially with the world that we live in these days. Yeah. Health is one of my pillars. We talk about finances and health and relationships, mm -hmm. because if you have an injury or if you are exhausted, or if you just have a tummy ache, you know how distracting that can be. So imagine... Right living with that just low grade brain fog, as you mentioned, consistently over and over again, it's hard to be motivated and excited when we feel that way. So what are right. some typical foods that you recommend to somebody who would want to get started on this path? So somebody said to me one time, I was in a hotel in, I think I was in Chicago and I'm on my way down the elevator and it stopped on one of the floors and a woman got in and she was all dressed up like great business suit. She was obviously going to a, to another meeting. And I, so I said to her, I go, oh, are you here at the conference? Because she was all dressed like very professionally. She looked like she was going to give a presentation somewhere. And she was, but it wasn't at my, at, at my conference. And she's like, oh no, I'm going, I'm going to this other thing. And she goes, what are you here for? And so in the 30 seconds it took us to go down the elevator, I said, oh, I'm here to talk at this conference. I'm talking about the gut brain axis and what you can eat to improve your mental fitness. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's interesting. So we, we got to the ground floor and she gets out of the elevator ahead of me and she turns around in her heel and she goes, what's the one thing that I should do to improve my mental fitness? And I went, uh, 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 eat more fiber, you know, and that I think is, is my go-to, you know, if you eat more fiber, then it's going to nourish the bacteria in your gut to produce more of those neurotransmitters. So if you could only do one thing, it would be that. And the reason for that 
is that most people are very, very fiber deficient. You know, we're eating a lot of processed foods. Even if you're, even if you're a healthy eater, there's too many processed foods, you know, all around us, you know, the refined carbohydrates, packaged foods and things like that. So we're fiber deficient which is starving our microbiome. If our microbiome isn't properly nourished, it's not going to make enough of those neurotransmitters. So now if you eat more fiber, you're going to you're going to start amplifying that production. So that would be the first thing. We can get a little more nuanced with it and say it's not just fiber, it's different kinds of fiber that are called prebiotic fibers. So there are specific fibers that will feed specific types of bacteria. So I'll tell people all the time, you want a diversity of fibers, you want a diversity of phytonutrients, you want some flavonoids and some polyphenols and some carotenoids and all the things that make brightly colored fruits and vegetables brightly colored, those are phytonutrients. So if you can eat a diet that's rich in brightly colored fruits and vegetables, that solves the phytonutrient problem and it solves the fiber problem. And that's going to really start getting your microbiome amped up to produce the kinds of compounds that we want. Amazing. I'm looking through your book and you kind of just mentioned it, but the idea is to eat more plant foods, eat healthier foods, eat whole foods, you know, less processed, that kind of thing. Yes, because we want we want the good nutrition within us, but it also sounds like junk food reduces the amount of neurons. It actually makes our gut by uh, our, you'll have to explain this, <laughs> the yeah. gut microbiome like worse. Tell me a little bit about right. how junk food can like negatively impact things. Yeah. So let's say, let's say you're eating a standard American diet, right? Lots of processed food, lots of sugar, sodas, uh, fast food, drive-through kinds of stuff, um, you know, convenience on the go foods. Those are by design. It is it's high in sugar. It's low in fiber. It's low in phytonutrients. And so what you're doing is you're feeding, a, a, you're feeding a, a substrate to these bacteria that will end up starving the good bacteria and amplifying the growth or accentuating the growth of the bad bacteria. What that ends up doing from a biochemical perspective, you don't have enough good bacteria, so you're not making the neurotransmitters. So you, so you don't feel good because of that. But you're also making a, or growing a population of bad bacteria that, that produce a lot of inflammatory compounds. So those inflammatory compounds can lead you to feel more depressed and more anxious and hungrier and so it, it really is like a, it's a vicious cycle that you get into. You eat the food, it grows these bacteria who create these, these compounds that lead you to want more of that food. And so you eat that food, you grow more of those bacteria. It's a terrible cycle to get into because those bacteria now are telling your brain, eat more of that crappy food that grew us in the first place. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of a thing. But if you can short circuit that by reducing the junk food, and even just putting in a little bit of that good stuff, I tell my students all the time, try to do what's called the 30 plant challenge, um, which is to eat 30 different kinds of plants in a one week time frame. You know, when people think of that, they go, oh, easy peasy. But then you start thinking about it. You're like, well, what do I eat on a regular basis? I eat romaine lettuce and I eat peppers and I eat bananas and I, eat, you know, you go through and most people can get to 10 pretty easily. But then when you try to get to 15 or 20, you're like, Oh my gosh. And then we try to get to 30. A lot of people go, I don't even think I know 30 plants, you know? <laughs> but if, yeah. But if you do that, it's been shown in really good research from a, from an organization called the American gut project, that 30 per week is very much associated with a good, resilient, diverse microbiome, which is then associated with better mood and better stress levels and better resilience. Right. Cause if you think about it, humans are very, 
I mean, we're all humans. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all have life stress that happens. We all have, but yet some really can handle it well and have that clear mind and clear motivation and are are very successful, right? And then others can't make it through the day without a nap or, um, and food, although it may be a habit change is way better than a surgery, way better than, you know, the disease care that they may need to experience. In the yep, future. exactly. Disease care. I love that you said it that way too. <laughs> so the fruit is really a, and a fairly easy place to start for somebody who's like, all right, I'm on this one side of the spectrum and I want to be on the other side. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think you bring up a good point that we're all in the same fight, so to speak. Right. And, you know, someone who's maybe their mood is not where they want it to be, or their, their motivation isn't where they want it to be. I think sometimes those people will look at motivated people or happy people and say, well, what are they doing? That's right. And I'm doing something wrong. It isn't that at all. It really is that you just might have the wrong microbiome. And that is very easily addressed. And that's what I think is it gets me most excited about it is that it's available to everybody. It's really simple on its face to say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do 30 plant challenge. I'm going to start getting more fiber. I'm going to slowly reduce the sugar. Like those are pretty easy approaches. And then, you know, talk about a vicious cycle in a positive direction. Once you start doing more of that, then you grow the right kinds of bacteria. You start starving away the bad guys. So your inflammation goes down. You start growing the good guys, so your neurotransmitters go up, your short-chain fatty acids go up, and then you almost subconsciously are inclined to keep making the good choices. It is the coolest thing to see when people say, you know what? I'm not craving that glass of wine. I'm not craving that hamburger. I'm not craving that soda because you're not getting those signals anymore. And so if that signal is gone, your craving is gone. It's, It's really, really, really cool to see in real life. And would you say that chronic inflammation is a root for a lot of the ailments out there? Yes. It, it, inflammation is... It, it, so I've been studying this for long enough where I remember standing in front of audiences and you know holding up a journal article or holding up a Time magazine and saying, inflammation is the root cause of all these diseases, right? Alzheimer's disease and cancer and heart disease, diabetes, and et cetera, et cetera. Nowadays, we think of it a little more root cause that inflammation is still a big problem, but where is that inflammation coming from? It's typically coming from a couple of places that are related to the gut. It could be that your microbiome is out of balance, which is leading you to be more inflamed. It could be that you have poor gut integrity, what some people call leaky gut, that could lead to inflammation. And it could be that you have immune system dysfunction. Uh, Somewhere around 70 to 80% of the immune system is housed in the gastrointestinal tract, in the gut. And so if your gut is off, your immune system is automatically going to be off. So uh, addressing inflammation is, is always important. But nowadays, we can actually go one level down and say, huh, let's also address gut health and microbiome balance. And by doing that, we're going to get benefits, but we're also going to get these secondary benefits of controlling inflammation at the same time. Amazing. Amazing. I love how things evolve. All right. I've got one more question about the gut. Um, And then I want to switch to one other subject is, so I've heard of this and you'll have to either explain it or tell me if I'm wrong, but I have heard that you can take the poop of a skinny person and put it in a fat person and they will get skinny. And vice versa. Tell me more. <laughs> yes, that is exactly right. That's called fecal microbiome transplants. Um, and it used to be very 
science fictiony, right? I remember doing doing. I, well, I still I still use this slide in my presentations where I'll show I'll show the mice. I'll show a skinny mouse and a fat mouse, and I'll show that if you switch their microbiomes, you can take a skinny mouse and make them fat, or a fat mouse and make them skinny. You know, and everybody laughs about it and ha 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 ha. And I, you know, I asked the audience, you know, would anybody want to do this? If you could get, if you could get a poop sample, a microbiome sample, and we get the microbiome from the, from the poop, that's how we, that's how we harvest it from people. If anybody could get a skinny one, would you, would you take it? And every, everybody raised their hands, right? And, and, and it used to just be a joke, you know, funny, we can do it in mice. Now we know we can do it in humans. There are some really good clinical trials that have shown that you can actually do that. You can take the microbiome from a skinny person, put it into an overweight person, that overweight person become skinnier. Um, and, and it's not just a metabolic effect. It's not just that their, their blood sugar is better and their metabolism is better and, and they're in fat release mode versus fat storage mode. It's, it, but their appetite changes, their whole relationship with food changes. It's, it, there's a lot of behavioral aspects that come from a microbiome transplant. But there were some studies that came out just, just the end of last year. because So this is very, very timely showing that you could do that with a, with capsules. So you could take the microbiome, process it, put it into capsules, and then people could eat those capsules. The joke there is that they're called crapsules, right? Ha, ha, ha. But that's, <laughs> that's what the scientists call them. But that could, that could not, not only help you lose weight more effectively, but it can help the weight to not come back. So that's a big problem. A lot of people lose weight and the weight comes right back. This was able to show that you lose the weight, but if you keep doing it, it keeps it, it, it prevents weight regain, which is really, really exciting. It so keeps the I microbiome think microbiome in the healthy flora, right? It's growing. Yes, the healthy exactly. One. It keeps okay. right. It keeps the microbiome in that healthy, lean state. And you know, it's it, it, it's all those signals that are going from the gut all across the body. It's not just gut to brain to help us feel better, it's gut to pancreas to help us with our insulin and our blood sugar control. It's gut to thyroid. It's gut to adrenal glands, which is our stress response system. So it's a really, really exciting time that we can use these bacteria to really improve our, our health and performance in all these different ways. Is there a way to test, like get your microbiome tested to know where you're at? Yeah, yeah, we do it in our laboratory all the time when we do when we do clinical trials. The problem with it though, there's and and there's a lot of there's a lot of commercial companies out there like you can order a microbiome test from from Thrive, from Viome, from there's about a dozen companies that do it. The problem is the report you get back from those from those entities is like it, it's almost like them handing you the phone book and saying, "Here's the here's your results," you know, and it's all this data and you kind of look at it and go, "Great." what am I supposed to do with this? You know? So like, that's why I like bringing it back to mental wellness, because if you can change the microbiome in the right direction, you can feel it. Like you, you'll feel happier. You'll feel less stressed out. You'll feel less brain fog, you know? And that is a signal to you that, aha, some, something is going in the right direction. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So I have one last topic for you because you connect stress with sleep and say it's two sides of the same coin. Can you tell me right. a little bit about why decreasing stress impacts your sleep? Yeah, sleep is a is one of my favorite topics. To we've done a lot of clinical trials on sleep quality. If you don't sleep enough, you know, so let, let's let's just for sake of argument say that we're all supposed to sleep eight hours a night, right? It's somewhere between seven and nine, but let's use eight as a number. If you don't sleep eight hours a night and you sleep the average, which is around six hours a night, the, we, call a, uh, we call a six-hour sleeper a short sleeper and an eight-hour sleeper a normal sleeper. If you compare the biochemistry of those two groups of people, 
the short sleeper, the six-hour person, they have about 50% higher level of cortisol, the body's primary stress hormone. That cortisol is going to interfere with your insulin control. So your blood sugars are going to be wacky and that's going to lead to weight gain. That cortisol is going to tell your brain you're hungry. So you're always getting the signal to eat sweets and comfort foods and junk foods. That cortisol is going to interfere with your ability to control your inflammation. So you're automatically going to be over-inflamed. So, you know, it's like, think this through. You miss two hours of sleep. Your biochemistry went completely awry. You're putting yourself at risk for diabetes and heart disease and Alzheimer's and cancer and you know all of the diseases of inflammation just because you missed your sleep. So sleep, lack of sleep is a very potent stressor to the body. But a lot of people are stressed out during the day and that impedes their ability to get a good night's sleep. So if you're stressed out during the whole day, your cortisol levels are high through the day and that's going to get in the way of you relaxing enough to get that good quality sleep. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg scenario. If you can't calm down during the day, you can't get good sleep. If you can't get good sleep, you're going to be overexposed to cortisol through the night, and that's going to put you in a stressful situation for the next day. So they're really, they're really the same thing. So no matter where you start, if you lower your stress in the day, that's going to help you with your sleep. If you get better sleep, that's going to help you with your stress during the day. So either one is an appropriate target. What I like to say to people all the time is that your good night's sleep tonight starts with a good day yesterday, basically. So, you know, if you're going to have a good day, that's going to lead to a good night. If you can have a good night, that's going to lead to a good day. So you got to start on, on one end or the other, but it can get you again out of that vicious cycle into a virtuous cycle where you're getting better and better and better. Better and better sleep and less and less stress. And in a, you know, a world that's full of chronic inflammation and chronic stress, and we're all running around like chickens with their head cut off, We've got too much on our plate, too little time and no energy to do it. Your book, Mental Fitness, gives people a roadmap for saying, all right, what can I do? What are some small changes that I can make, some new habits I can create to help me be one step better than I was? And I feel like what happens is that starts to compound, right? You know, now they get in the routine of sleep. Um, I, I work with a lot of habit trackers and, you know, my, I've got a group there. We were like, all right, we're going to continue to level up one habit at a time. And so you know, start with the 30, 30 plant challenge until that becomes normal. And then add on another one until that becomes normal. And I really do feel like in a year you can be in a different place. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, and that's the coolest thing is that people will go a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and they'll look back six months later, eight months later, 12 months later, and they'll go, oh my gosh, I can't believe who I was back there. I don't ever want to be that person again. I want to keep going on this trajectory. It's not like it's not like you're always going to get better into the future. You know, it's, I mean, everyone's going to reach their new sort of normal plateau, but then you'll look back from there and you'll go, wow, I thought I was doing just fine back there and look where I am right now. You know, that's, that, that's just really, really amazing to see for so many people. Do you have a testimony of somebody that you've worked with over the years that made a complete 180 or has a good story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, I have the benefit of, you know, these people posting on social media all the time, the people that have you know read my books or worked with me directly and, and just explaining how they're a better version of themselves. But the ones that really get me are the ones that, that talk about their families. You know, they'll talk about, you know, they're a better mom now and that's better for their families or they're a better dad or they're better in their community and now they have the energy and they're volunteering or like that like that pro social aspect of the individual feeling better 
doesn't stay within them. It really does ripple out to everybody that they interact with. And that that's that's what I think we need so much more of, especially these days. Amen. <laughs> I just love, that's part of my spiel. You know, I lived as a zombie for years and no, we don't need more zombies in this world. We need people right. who are lit up and connected and sparked and doing what they love because that ripples into every and into the rest of their whole community. Yep. 100%. Well, Dr. Sean, I could talk to you for hours. I could listen to you for hours and I bet my audience can too. You guys need to go get his book, Mental Fitness. Um, I'm assuming it's on Amazon, but we'll put your website. It's on, yeah, Amazon and everywhere you can buy books. Everywhere you can buy it. And then his website is called doctelbutt.com. And I'll put that um, in the show notes as well. Check it out. If we want to continue to learn from you, where else can we go? Yeah, you can go, you can go to Doc Talbot. You can go to, uh, you can follow me on all the social media channels. I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and those kinds of places. And I, I write a blog at seantalbot.com. So I post articles and videos up there all the time. Awesome. Do you have a project or anything right now that you are working on that you're excited about? Yeah. So we're, um, we are starting to put together a program where we're training people to become mental fitness coaches. So you can think about, you know, there, there are personal trainers out there that train people to get physically fit. We're going to be training people to get mentally fit. And we're going to use some of the same techniques that we, we talked about, the right way of eating, the right way of sleeping, the right way of thinking. Mindset is really important as well. Uh, breath work and those sorts of things. So look for that to be rolling out later on this year. So exciting. So exciting. Yes, absolutely. All right. I always end with two questions. And so I'll ask you these same two questions as well. Um, the first question is, as an entrepreneur... We know that it's not a straight line, right? <laughs> it's ups and downs and curves and, you know, it's not always easy. But I'd love to hear about a few books that you read throughout the years that were really helpful to you or anything that you consistently refer people to as like one of your favorite go-to either business, health, mindset, any of it. Probably the books that I recommend the most um, are from an author uh, named Ryan Holiday. Uh, he writes a series of books about um, about a philosophy called Stoicism. It, it's an ancient Greek philosophy, and it, it it basically boils down to focus on the things that you can control and forget about everything else. Right? It's it, it's very um when I say it that way, it sounds very like like twelve step, you know, kind of a kind of a program. And it, there's some there's some similarities there. But uh, Ryan has written three re he's written several books, but there's three really good books. Ego is the enemy. Obstacle is the way. And stillness is the key that I highly recommend. They're probably the most, I, I recommend them the most. They're the ones that I've gifted the most. And it really like that philosophy gives me a lot of balance and a lot of peace. You know, we can't, we can't control everything in our lives. So focus on what you can control. And that, that really pays dividends, I think. Yeah. Even just reminding yourself of that on a consistent basis will decrease stress. <laughs> right. hundred percent. So often we're hanging tight on things that we really can't do much about. Um, awesome. Thank you for that. And then my last question is that as an entrepreneur, right, you are giving and giving and giving and creating and doing all the things. I'd love to know a few habits you have that keep you full that you couldn't live without. I could not live without exercise. That is my, that is my big thing. If somebody told me, I, I, I used to ask my students this, if somebody told you that we just discovered that exercise is bad for you, uh, would you still do it? And almost across the board, people, you know, people who are really into it would go, yeah, I just, I like, I don't do it for my physical health. I do it for my mental health. I do it to help me think. I do it to help me work my problems out. I do it to get a little bit of peace and quiet. You know, there's all kinds of reasons, but that's the one thing where I really, 
I have to go out there and be just in my head sometimes and exercise the way that I do it. I call it moving meditation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It gives you that space to release any built up stress and get your mind quiet. Yeah. I, I tell, tell people exercise is more for your mind than it even is for your body sometimes, because yeah. I could do the same exercise and gain and lose 10 pounds based on what I'm eating. Eating and food right. is really <laughs> where the things change, where, where change happens. But you're right. I love that moving meditation. It's so good for our mind and our spirit to get active. Yep. All right, you guys. Well, run and grab his book, Mental Fitness, right now. Um, and definitely check out his website, doctelbutt.com. We'll put all the links in the show notes because this is just like piece of all of the content that he has. And I know that if you are just as interested in this concept as I am, you're going to love it too. So thank you, Dr. Sean, for being here. I have appreciated your wisdom and your time today, and I can't wait to connect again. It was great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.